Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome back or welcome to Gardening Naturally. Going to be a nice day today. A good day to be out there in the garden. Um, James has been holding on. Let's go to the phone. James, what can I help you with? Morning, Jeff. Uh, Morning. I just would like to know if it's getting close to time to plant the sunflower seeds. Um, yes. They they need uh, non-frozen soil and non-freezing temperatures. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't see freezing temps coming again now till next year. But uh, one thing I will warn you about, depending on how many squirrels you have, um, depending on how you are planting the seed, squirrels will dig them up to eat them. So that is, that's always a risk regardless of when you plant them. Yeah, I shot at that squirrel twice already. Knocked the bark off of one of the oak trees, but uh, I seen him this morning. Uh, if I can get a bead on him, I'll uh, try to eliminate him from the uh, situation here. Um, can be tough. I watched a squirrel tease, for lack of a better word, tease a hawk. The squirrel was at the top of the telephone pole, and the hawk was trying to get it, and the squirrel would just run circles around the hawk. I swear the squirrel was teasing him, but they they can be a little difficult to get rid of. Yes, sir. Uh, that chemical that they use in the stump remover, I heard you guys talking, is the potassium nitrate, Jeff. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think it's also called saltpeter, but... Saltpeter, um, yeah. Yeah. We it, use it for the, as a fertilizer when we start the Caribbean peppers, like ghost, uh, the ghost and maybe uh, the habaneros and all them crazy hot ones. We use that as a fertilizer until, uh, until we... Uh, get them up to where we can uh, transplant them and, and then we go to another fertilizer. Yeah, um, that's, that would work well, the stump remover. Um, it doesn't really have any serious side effects, any issues with uh, ruining out the stump. So the, the stump remover is basically what you said. It's a fertilizer, a high nitrogen fertilizer, and it works. And it works with the same principle: feed the little biologies that wind up eating the stump and rotting it out, make it rot faster, so you can get it out of the ground. Okay, Jeff, I got to get these tomatoes transplanted into the hoop house, and then I can get on that uh, sunflower planting deal. Hoping to do tomatoes today myself, James. So good luck. Uh, have fun with uh, getting them all in place. Thanks for the call. Thank you for the call, James. You bet. 
Um, it's that time. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk to my wife. We're going to discuss whether or not we're going to put the tomatoes in or not. The end of the week shows a low of 49, seven-day forecast. That's on the edge, but I shouldn't have to go out and cover them if I put them in the ground. So that's what I'm considering right now. Do we want to plant them now? I don't want to put them in if I got to go out later and cover them up. Why do the work twice? They're doing just fine. I have a large tray that holds a whole bunch of the four-inch pots, and we take it outside in the afternoon where it gets very bright light, not direct sun, but very bright light, and the stems are uh, stiffening up because there's a breeze. And the breeze also helps reduce the possibility of them getting disease. You know, that's one problem, one of many problems, I should say. Uh, one of many problems with tomatoes. If you plant them too close together, they won't get a good airflow through them. Then you wind up with this problem that they will get fungal problems. Keeping them open so the wind can blow also improves pollination of them. Also improves the flower turning to fruit. Because the wind gets the pollen to fall on the flower. And the wind also keeps the diseases out of the area. You don't wind up with these super damp microclimates that are just begging to become infected with some kind of fungus. So everybody wants a lot of tomatoes, but let's give each tomato its, its due. Make sure it's getting the room it can so that you get a good breeze blowing through it. That'll give you a, a, a better return. That'll give you healthier plants. Now, you know, that's kind of true with lots of plants. The thing about them is planting them close gets you the best use of your space. Planting them so close that you can't get the airflow through the plants increases your risks of diseases. So there's a balance there. You may have to figure it out yourself. <clears throat> but keeping them open, keeping the airflow going, improves their health. Can make for stronger stems. Um, the, the movement of the plant in the breeze actually is kind of a form of exercise. It's like you doing curls with a weight. You do a bunch of them and you watch your arms get stronger, at least you hope. Well, that happens with plants. As they wiggle around, the roots will 
enlarge. The roots will get a better grip on the soil and the stems will become stiffer and stronger. So you'd rather have them spread out a little bit rather than keep them real close to each other. The benefit is worth it. I know everybody wants a lot of tomatoes or peppers or whatever plant. But give them some room. You will you'll appreciate the improved results that you get because you've given them more room. And that will keep them happier and healthier and more productive. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, let's go to the phone. This is Sam. Sam, what can I help you with? Yeah, good morning, Jeff. I have a question about a fence I want to put up around my garden. I was initially going to use regular uh, cedar, you know, the one by four by six. And then I was yes. told about Japanese cedar. And it's a little bit less expensive. And I just wanted to check and see if you have any experience with Japanese cedar. I have not. Um, I am in a lumber yard lately a lot more often than I should be. Uh, because I'm looking for materials to uh, do some remodel and things like that. Never heard of it. I've never seen it either. So unless it is something special or advertised specifically, uh, I, I don't know what the material is. Okay, well, maybe one of your listeners might call in and, and have some information on it, but it's... Uh... Yeah, it's a little bit, um, it's not one by four. It's uh, like one by three or something. And it's not as uh, pretty as a regular cedar, but it's uh, less expensive. Anyway, thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Sam. Sorry I couldn't help with that. Um, okay. Cedar, cedar is one of the most common fencing materials because of the cost. It's lower price and longer lasting not heard of this specific type of cedar let's go to the phone this is dan dan what can i help you with hey sir hang up hello dan hello hello what come up Dan, are you there? Trying to get trying to get through to you, Jeff. What can I help you can with? Can you hear me now? Yes. There we go. What can I help you with? Well, I was um I appreciate taking the call. Um thinking about dillo dirt. And um I've got a, a large yard and a, a little um, about a half acre acre plot that I've used for hay, the growing hay, and um, thinking about 
using my manure spreader to spread out some bulk dillo dirt and wondering what, what kind of preparation should I do to the yard before I put that out? Um, you can put it out directly. It doesn't require a lot of preparation. Um, <clears throat> the big issue with dillo dirt is, is that it is um, biosolid. That's right. a polite yeah, word for I understand. sludge. Okay. okay. If you understand that, it is also a very good soil conditioner. It will build right. up that soil just fine for you. I have always been told by people who have used it, when you spread it, um, you're going to know it. It doesn't have the most pleasant aroma to it, but that goes away quickly. Right. Okay. So, like, I've got a lot of weeds and... and um you know, winter grass and and things. Just put it put it out, let it do its thing, break down, and then start working on that. Yeah, uh, understand that all of the weeds need fertilizer too. So you're probably going to get the weeds to grow a little bit. The goal would be to get the grasses to overcome the weeds. Right. And that okay. would really improve the soil. I'm I'm searching for is improve improve the soil, get the grass to grow better. I'm just wondering if maybe maybe I should spray out a weed killer first. Uh not gonna recommend that. Um if you use one Make sure you follow the directions exactly like it says on the bottle. No assumption that if it says one ounce, that two ounces is better. Um, but if you use one and you are not uh, growing crops, you're looking to get rid of those weeds, and you're only right. growing hay, uh, you could spray, give it like at least 24 hours you really want the weed killer to get to the root of the grass and then you could put the dillo dirt on top of it okay that's that was kind of my plan i appreciate the, should, the information love listening it should work it should work fine for you um uh, the dillo dirt will really punch up that grass Great. Thanks for the information. Thanks for the call, Dan. Uh, let's go to the phone. This is John. John, what can I help you with? Hi, Jeff. I seem to always be calling in for answers for your callers. The gentleman asking about that wood earlier. I used to work at a cabinet shop. Uh, it's called aromatic cedar, and it's an eastern cedar instead of a western cedar. The western red cedar is going to be more expensive. Uh, but yeah, it's, he just needs to ask for an aromatic cedar, and it's a, it's an eastern it, cedar, not a western. Does it have a particular value that would make it better? Uh, it's cheaper. It's a it's much cheaper. Ah, okay. Than than western it, cedar, yeah. So, so if he's if he's using it for like a wood project or. 
fencing or something like that, he can use the Eastern. It works. It works Got just it. fine. We used it at the cabinet shop. Um, should it be commonly available? Yeah. Uh, if he goes to, oh shoot, now that I'm on the spot, I can't remember the name of it. Um, oh man, um, I cannot think of the lumber shop. Most any any, uh, he's not going to be able to get it at Home Depot or Lowe's. But if he goes to an right. actual lumber yard. Uh, they'll have it. Just ask for aromatic cedar. Aromatic cedar. Got it. Well, John, I appreciate the call. I I couldn't understand. You know, I didn't have a question. Oh, uh, with it's a uh, Japanese fine, fine lumber. Fine, fine lumber is the fine. Fine lumber is the uh, lumber yard that I, I'm I'm aware of has it. Other than that, uh, oh. other other lumber yards should should have it. Yeah, I know fine lumber. Oh, okay. Yes, sir. So, uh, Sam, if you're still listening, um, aromatic cedar at a lumber you can also yard, get not it, a big um, one. You can commonly get it in like one inch planks, um, mm -hmm. and it's usually it's gonna usually it's gonna be rough planks, but they're typically like five inches wide and eight feet long, um, and then huh. you can cut them to your dimensions. But. Sounds good. John, I, I, I appreciate right, that call. Have a good day. Yes, sir. I, thank you. I tune in to you every Saturday and Sunday. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks for the call. Uh, folks, there you go. My listeners, the folks listening have better information than I have many times. So that is a lumber that is a different kind of cedar. There's a lumber yard out by Bastrop that I purchased a great deal of red cedar, uh, tongue and groove. I used it for siding on my house. And the only problem with it is when you first get it, they first cut it. Not only does it smell magnificent, um, it has this deep, dark, reddish purple heart to it. It is so pretty, and it looks great in a cabinet or flooring, and the minute it gets outside, it starts to turn gray. Now, it's tough wood, um, but that's part of the problems. A normal lumber yard should be able to talk to you about it. Aromatic cedar is a good quality wood, that is less expensive than big box store Western cedar. So try that. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Bottom of the hour, we're gonna break for the news. Um, I will catch you all on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Let's see here. Um, got, got a lot of input here of folks talking about the lumber. And basically, it's just, it's an equal quality to what you're getting at a big box store. 
and it's just less expensive. So depending on how much fencing you got to put up, it may be worth the while to try to track it down. Now, um, someone made a comment here, and I get it, about don't use dillo dirt for vegetables. That's got to be your choice. If you read the bag, the state of Texas is certified and said, you can use this on food crops. That's your choice. Because it says it can be used that way, you still get to make that decision. Not everybody's a fan of it. Part of the problem is, is that it is sewage sludge. Biosolids is the fancy word for it. That sludge has got to go somewhere. Like it or not, it's something that humanity produces and it doesn't disappear. So this is one way they've done to handle it. The argument that it's full of seeds, that may be true, but the way they process dillo dirt is basically a compost. So if they can get it hot enough, there wouldn't be many seeds in it, if any. What's more, it's generally not seeds that are being collected in the sewage sludge. So <laughs> that's not what's being put in there. So I'm not sure where the seeds are coming from, but the material should be composted, should be composted to be hot enough to sterilize the seed. It's really kind of a requirement because when it gets hot enough to sterilize the seed, that also means it gets hot enough to drive out a lot of the possible diseases and bacterial problems that could be in it. Your choice. Nobody's making you use it. If you get a landscaper that's doing work and they want to bring it in, discuss it with them. You can't, you're not being forced to use it. Just be informed. Do you know what it is? Decide if you want it. Now, uh, oh, Sam, the caller who was looking for the uh, wood, uh, got the information. Thank you, folks. Uh, he, he sent a note saying thanks, and now he knows what's going on. Uh, hopefully, this will give him a, a, a value that he's uh, looking for. It's one thing to get a less expensive material, but remember, 
cost is a lot more than simply the purchase price. If you're paying some, half the price, but it doesn't last twice as long, or it doesn't last even as long, it's not really a savings. You know, this is one of the things we talk about in garden tools. There are a lot of great garden tools out there. And you may look at a shovel and go, oh my gosh, it's just a shovel. How come it costs this much? <clears throat> Think about the fact of why you're looking for a shovel. Did you break the handle again? Did the shovel head come off? It wasn't a very good shovel in the first place, no matter what it cost. Sometimes you have to buy the tool with the idea of the long term. I was replacing weed eaters annually because by the end of the season, they would blow a piston ring and wouldn't run anymore. They basically just leak oil. So finally, I bought one that cost me um, two and a half times as much. I have had that puppy for uh, a dozen years now. And it starts on one pull, runs great. Don't have to worry about replacing it all the time. So it's a value question. It's like that line, someone who knows the price of everything but the value of nothing. So best materials are a better purchase, even if they're slightly more expensive, because in the long run, you'll recover that cost, sometimes many times over. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind with your garden tools. And you know, speaking of your garden tools, we're coming into the season where we're gonna be busy and using them a lot. One of the things that you, uh, do is maintenance on them. If you've got wooden handled tools, are you hitting them with a little sandpaper, a little steel wool once in a while, hitting them with a little tongue oil to keep the wood strong, less likely to break? Um, those things those things should be in your shopping list when you're looking for tools. My biggest problem is I'm six foot two and way too many shovels and garden forks and things like that. They're so short. I have to bend over to use them. And that means I am in pain in no time. And I can't get as much work done with a short shovel, no matter how good it is, than I can with a long-handled shovel. So when you're out there buying your tools, if you've got to get a new shovel this year, or you want a new rake or whatever, test drive it. Yeah, go to the store that's selling it and make sure that if you had to dig or rake or use a hoe, that it's going to be long enough that you're not bending your back 
in bad ways. You're not trying to injure yourself. And sometimes that's as simple as a longer tool. Like I said, I'm six foot plus. Most of the tools that I look at are way too short. I will be working bent over all the time. Doing physical labor in a wrong position is not only tiring, it can be dangerous because it's easier to injure yourself. And those are injuries you'd like to avoid. So the tool, get what works. Maybe you have to get one that's longer. You will enjoy the lack of pain caused by having to work a tool that doesn't fit you. And buying a higher quality tool so that you're not constantly having to replace them. Keep all of this in mind. Oh, and you know, there's a couple of things you can get in terms of maintenance. A little steel wool, a little sandpaper, tongue oil to take care of wooden handled tools. Takes only a few minutes. And find yourself a fair flat file, one that's good for steel. Putting an edge on a hoe or a shovel, especially a shovel, makes it easier for them to cut roots or cut into the soil. Basically, it's easier to dig a hole. Everything that can help reduce the amount of labor required I mean, you're a gardener. You're out there working around your ankles. Lots of bending over, lots of lifting up, lots of digging and weeding and all this kind of labor. You want to use every trick you can to do that with a minimal amount of labor, with a minimal chance of strain or injury, with a minimal amount of just plain wearing you out. That is a, that is a day in the garden. And the thing about a day in the garden is you want to be able to spend the next day in the garden too. So don't need broken tools. Don't need tools that make you dread having to do that kind of work because they don't fit your size correctly. Uh, get yourself a, a, a decent file, not only to sharpen a shovel, but do you have pruners? Whether they're hand pruners or you've got big loppers, do you have a way to keep the blades sharp on them? Because they will work so much better. Especially if you've got a lopper and you're trying to cut a tree branch, and it's a moderate-sized branch. Let's say it's an inch in diameter sharp blades, folks. Otherwise, you're fighting it and twisting and got to take multiple cuts to finally get through that branch. Not if you got a sharp blade. And well-sharpened tools work better. And they're going to make a cleaner cut to reduce the risk of disease infecting the plant you just trimmed up. Treat your tools well and it'll be worth your effort. Folks, 
This is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a quick break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, got some text today. Uh, question about a wisteria not blooming it'll leaf out but it stays green and it grows like crazy first thing is you're probably fertilizing it nitrogen fertilizers will make a wisteria produce lots of leaves but no blooms look for something where the middle number of the fertilizer is higher than the first or last number you can even consider sprinkling it with um, rock phosphate, applying that to the soil around it. But don't be fertilizing it. That's a, a sign. Lots of green, no blooms, is that it's getting the wrong kind of fertilizer. It doesn't need a high nitrogen number. You can get um, rock phosphate, colloidal rock phosphate is another name for it. And it is an easy applied powder and you could apply it to the soil around the wisteria and see if that doesn't help it bloom. Uh, But no other fertilizers. So, It wants the nutrients, but it wants the right nutrients. And you do not need that 050 fertilizer that's available to forest bloomings. That is overkill, way too much. Rock phosphate tends to be a 030. So, Don't over-fertilize. When you do fertilize, use the right fertilizer. See if that doesn't get <clears throat> see if that doesn't get your wisteria to bloom. Because they have such beautiful flowers. It's a it's it's very sad that it's not putting on a bloom for you. Oh, um, someone has texted what looks like sprouting onions or maybe garlic. Yes, what you can do, how do you plant it? You can peel the paper off and separate it into individual bulbs. Take the bulbs and plant them in a hole. The roots are at the bottom. The green shoot stays up about two inches deep. Now, the problem with this is you should get it to grow, but this is totally the wrong time of the year for either garlic or onions to plant right now. 
like I said, they will probably grow, but it will take them, they'll produce a, a very poor bulb. And you may get a lot of green, but it won't bulb out at all. But separate them, pull the paper off, separate them out to individual cloves and plant them with the green shoot up. The bottom will be where the roots are, about two inches deep. Oh, they're onions. They're not garlic. You're way late for onions. Um, yeah, you're way late for onions. It's unlikely that they're going to turn around and bulb for you. You can try it. You can try it. You can separate them into parts and plant each one of those. Same thing, about two inches deep. They're about four inches apart. And let them be, um, give them the right amount of moisture. You can fertilize with uh, a moderate nitrogen fertilizer and see if they will bulb up. But there's no guarantee. Normally, we would be planting onions in as early as November through about the middle of January and hope, you know, keep your fingers crossed that you may get something out of this crop. Potatoes, for those of you planting potatoes, we would do those around the middle of February, but we're still not too late for it. But you want to get with it. You want to get them in the ground. You want a well-prepared bed. So you can spend your time really loosening up the soil for where you're going to put your potatoes. But you can plant them now. And uh, get with it. Like I said, you want to hurry up so that you will get potatoes roughly 90 days after you put them in the ground. Nice thing about potatoes, they kind of run on autopilot. Everything that you want out of them is out of the way. You will be able to harvest in roughly 90 days, but you don't want to wait too much longer. We would have put them in the ground in the middle of February. It doesn't mean it had to be the middle of February. There's a little there's a little variability there you can use to see if that doesn't uh, help you. Um, I, I get asked this question a lot. And I, I'm not a huge fan of... Uh, let's start with somebody that... They're asking for what's a what's a good fig in Texas. Generally, there are three that are really reliable. One's called brown turkey. One is called Texas Everbearing. And one is called Celeste. I'm a fan of the Celeste. I had a 40-year-old Celeste fig that would produce 100 pounds of the most amazing figs, sweet as candy, uh, per season. And the freeze took it out. So I happen to like the Celeste. 
but the brown turkey and the uh, Texas Everbearing are good and reliable. As for being asked, you know, what's the best wisteria for Texas? Don't know. The reason I don't know is I don't grow wisteria. I don't have a place for it. I see the beautiful purple wisteria growing along the sides of the Texas highways, especially any place that's got raised concrete barrier, and they look fantastic. But I don't really know of this wisteria is better than that wisteria. <clears throat> the last one question here, I'm really uncomfortable with. What's my favorite tomato? Yeah. If I could have reliability, I would be more impressed than what's the best tomato. Sun golds are super reliable and damn near indestructible. I like Juliet tomatoes a lot because I harvest them and slice them and dry them. And I have dried tomatoes for the season. They tend to be productive. And my Juliet's actually didn't produce during the hottest part of the summer, but in the fall they did. And I got late Juliet's in the fall. They weren't very big, but they were uh, tasty. So I would take the reliability sometimes just so I can have enough tomatoes. And I would love to tell you a nice big slicer, but I have been cursed. I have not been able to get a good, reliable, large slicer. You need to check with somebody else who's had success because just can't get tomatoes. I used to plant um, I put in 25 tomatoes and there were two or three of each kind and we're growing all kinds of tomatoes and they were very successful. I haven't had that success in years and uh, I'm not really sure why. I think it's an issue of the weather. I'm actually getting very frustrated <clears throat> at pretty much growing nearly anything. The weather has so impacted our gardens that reliable production can be really difficult. And it takes a lot more work than, uh, than I'm into doing anymore. I can go to the farmer's market. Yeah, I'm outsourcing the labor. What's the wrong with that? Somebody else is growing it for me. I'm At least I'm willing to pay them for their efforts. But Sun Gold is probably the number one tomato that's super reliable around here and produces a tasty tomato. After that, try. There's only supposedly 7,500 different kinds of tomatoes that are grown. 7,500. You got some choices. 
Try them all. Try a new one every year to see how they do. Folks, this is gardening naturally. Uh, end in the day, going to go outside. I hope you go out and enjoy the weather. It's going to be so nice. I will talk to all of you again next Saturday at 9 o'clock. Have a great weekend.